G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. There was a group of about 16 guys who were psychologists, and there we discovered that we all had similar pain in our hearts. We all had rejection and wounds from our fathers, and we all had abandonment issues. It was interesting that we all had the same same stuff going on, but we probably never identified it before because we never had the opportunity to process it in such an environment. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have part two of our conversation with David Harris, who's the author of the book Certified, about his downward spiral into prison cells, mental asylums and frightening experiences with the occult. But as we heard last time, there's much, much more to his story. Incredibly, we ended last time with David being led to faith in Jesus by a guy he knew in prison who he used to be a hitman. Fortunately, he had undergone an amazing transformation and David wanted what he had. Now, we'll find out what happened next in David's life as he continues his chat with Eric Scadabo. Welcome back to the program, David Harris. Thank you. Glad to have you back. And we should say for parents listening that because we're going to be dealing with some pretty heavy topics, today's program is not appropriate for young listeners. As we heard last time, you were so mad at somebody who had killed your dog that you were going to hire a hitman to kill that guy. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I did. I called a friend of mine to come and kill him. But, you know, like I said in the last one, my friend had had his life turned around by God and when he arrived he was a different person and you know the person I knew was filled with pride and very egotistic and arrogant but he was humble and gentle and kind and obviously God had done a real number on him he was a new person and I could see that he was different and he he impacted me yeah and so some of the members of your crime house that you were living in they actually became Christians as well yeah, that's correct. Uh, one of the guys was a very hard man. He spent 27 years in prison and um, killed three people. And he was the hardest man I've ever met, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I saw him cry as Jesus came into his heart. I saw a tear go down his face. Mm. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Now, I wish we could say that a light was turned on and everything was fine and rosy for you ever since then. But unfortunately, that's not the case. What happened to no. your life after that? No, what happened is um, the two people who became Christians, they left and went to New South Wales, and I wanted to go to New South Wales as well to start a new life with my friend. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time I was on parole, I went and saw my parole officer and said to her that I wanted to go to New South Wales and start a new life and told her what happened. She said, mm-hmm. yeah, no worries. But then when they rang New South Wales, New South Wales said, we do not want David Harris in New South Wales. And mm-hmm. um, they... They rejected me, and um, I had had a lot of rejection in my life, and I felt like even God had rejected me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty tough. And yeah. so I was forced back into the house with the people who didn't want to know God. So oh. I was there all alone. Um, tried to go to church, but I didn't really know anyone in church. I didn't really fit in. I remember going to a Youth Alive event in a bus, and mm-hmm. I, I went with another friend of mine who was a 
who was searching. He was a one-legged mm-hmm. drug dealer. Mm-hmm. And um, we went together on the bus and we went to the, the event. And at the event, he, he went forward. He gave his life to Jesus. Um, but coming back in the bus, we looked pretty um, odd, you know. We had long hair, long beards, rough tattoos. You know, and back then that wasn't trendy. You know, now <laughs> nowadays that's a youth pastor, isn't it? Yeah. But back then, <laughs> back then we looked quite odd, and, yeah. and probably smelly, and and people, no one really talked to us on the bus. I think they were probably scared of us. But the truth was, we were we were really searching for God, and we really wanted to fit in. So on the outside, you still had a very rough exterior. I mean, you were a tough, hardened criminal. But yeah, now definitely. God started working on your heart. But maybe they couldn't see that. That's right. I, I mm. mean, we we look pretty intimidating. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to, I guess, encourage people that people can look pretty hard on the outside, but God can be doing amazing work on the inside. Amen. Yeah. Just encourage people to reach yeah. out to people. Okay. Mm. So then, what happened? Um, yeah. Then at the same time, as I went back into that house, my grandmother, who brought me up with my mother, um, she was sick. She had cancer, and she was dying. Mm. And that was really tough for me. And eventually, when she died, I just got so drunk. You know, for the next three days, I just wiped myself out. Totally, absolutely so drunk. I, you know, probably had to crawl to bed. Mm. And I remember on the morning of my grandmother's funeral, um, my sister and my cousin woke me up with a syringe filled with speed. And the only way I could, um, you know, get out of bed was to have that drug, that, that speed. And... And I remember standing over my grandmother's grave, and I just couldn't feel a thing. I was numb on the inside. I was like I was dead on the inside, you know. Mm, so you'd kind of gone back to your old bad habits. Yeah, definitely. I'd gone back into the drugs. Because of the pain, I, I needed comfort. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, you know, then that led me to more crime. Oh, back, back into back crime. Into crime. Yeah, backslid. Mm. And I, I finally got caught for more robberies and... Um, I got bail and I ended up on the run again. Um, mm. I was on the run. I ended up in Melbourne, places like Collingwood, and I was with my um, good friend who we did a lot of crime together. And I remember we bought this little Datsun, and we used that for some crimes. And it had a had a Jesus sticker on the back. The Datsun. Um, we bought it off a a car yard a guy who we knew was a fence who would buy stolen goods off us. Mm. And I remember one day. We were doing a burglary. There was a house in the business, and we, we filled the car with all these stolen goods, and and we're about to leave, and the car wouldn't start. And this lady came out of the business, and she said, "Can I help you?" And I said, "Oh no, we're okay. Thank you very much." And 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 then I prayed to Jesus and asked him to help me get the car going so we could get out of there. You prayed to Jesus to help you with the robbery? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Pretty crazy, hey. So on the one hand, you obviously still had something of a relationship with Jesus, but yet kind of a bizarre one at that point. Oh, yeah. Like, I believe that Jesus was who he said he was. I believe mm-hmm. he was the Son of God, but I wasn't following him. Mm-hmm. I wasn't living uh, him. I, I remember uh, at the time getting drunk and stoned and talking to people about Jesus and, you know, having um, conversations and saying, yeah, I did believe that Jesus was who he said he was, but I was not a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. I wasn't following him. Yeah. I was a believer, but not a follower. Mm. And um, so, because I'd encountered that love, I'd encountered him, I knew he was real. Yeah. But um, but your life hadn't really changed as far as your no, actions. No, no, I hadn't really changed. Although there was a change in my heart, I wasn't the same. I was softer than I used to be, mm. because I think 
although I'd left him, he hadn't left me. Mm. <laughs> he was still chasing me down. Okay, so yeah. take us back to the uh, the time you're trying to get away with the Datsun truck that wouldn't yeah. start. Yeah, we got away with the Datsun. I prayed, and funny thing is, it started. We got away, and then then we got that car. We we flipped it. We changed it with the fence. We got another Falcon, a nice Falcon, and. It's funny, um, not too long afterwards, we were doing another robbery on a boat shed. We were stealing all these tools, and we had the Falcon filled with um, tools. And the police came along, and, and they gave us, they, they chased us, and we ended up um, jumping out of the car and running off and escaping. And then the police um, took the car, and they put it into a police in-town yard. Mm-hmm. And um, my friend um, got some bolt cutters and cut the lock and broke in and stole the car from the impound yard, from the police, full of stolen goods that had um, tape around it, do not touch, to be fingerprinted, and he stole the car back off the police. Oh, wow. They were pretty angry about that, yeah. as you can imagine. Yeah. 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 And then not long after that, we got caught. Um, they were pretty seriously after us, and they found out who, who we were. And Yeah, I uh, could see in- that they would be pretty upset about that, stealing from them. They were very upset. Like, yeah. That was pretty bold to yeah. break into the yeah. police yard and steal the car back. <laughs> yeah. Full of stolen goods. Oh, wow. Well, it, it didn't work. Crime doesn't pay. No, it didn't work. It, and it didn't pay. I ended up back in um, custody, mm-hmm. back in Prentice Prison, and then finally um, in another prison called Barwon, uh, which is still operating today, Barwon. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with David Harris, who's the author of the book Certified, about his downward spiral into a life of crime, prison cells and drug addiction. Unfortunately, as we just heard, after putting his faith in Jesus, David eventually fell back into his old destructive patterns and ended up in prison once again. But, as we'll hear... God was not through working in his life and had some pretty amazing things in store for him. We'll hear all about that and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with more of Eric Scadabo chatting with David Harris, author of the book Certified, about his journey out of a life of crime, mental illness, and drug addiction. Before the break, we heard how David got put back into prison. Now we're going to hear what happened next in his life as God continues to work on his heart. I wanted to get out of prison. I'd had enough of this lifestyle. So what I did is I... From Barwon Prison, mm-hmm. I got a transfer back to Prentice Prison and went to a place called Jica Jica, which was a prison within a prison. And I did some work there at a rehab. There was a drug rehab within Jica Jica. And mm-hmm. I spent three months there in that drug rehab. And we did group work. Mm-hmm. There was a group of about 16 guys with a um, psychologist. Mm-hmm. And there we discovered that we all had similar pain in our hearts. We all um, had rejection and wounds from our fathers and we're all looking for acceptance and Hmm. value and belonging we all had abandonment issues it was interesting that we all had the same same stuff going on but we probably never identified it before because we never had the opportunity to process it in such an environment 
Yeah. So that's very common for people in prisons when they share their stories with each other to find out they all had father wounds and felt rejected yeah. from their father. Yeah, all this deep pain and huh. never really identified it before yeah. because I guess you're just covering it with drugs yeah. and alcohol yeah. rather than looking for a, a way out. Um, you know, everyone wants to be loved and accepted, don't they? Yeah, and to be valued uh, you by your father. That, yeah, that's right. It's very important. We find our get our identity and belonging and all that. So that really kind of helped you to kind of understand a little bit what you were doing and why you were doing it? Yeah, it really did. It, mm-hmm. it started me on a journey of, um, I guess, revelation mm-hmm. of what the problem was. And then, yeah. and then um, with God's help, a journey of restoration. When I was in there, I met Larry Edwards, who was a Salvation Army chaplain in Pentridge, and Mm-hmm. He did this thing where he ripped up a newspaper mm-hmm. and he made a cross and he made the word hell and then he told the story of what Jesus did on the cross and how that saves us from going to hell and um, that was very powerful and I, I thought this guy must know God and um, yeah he became a good friend he came and visited me um, him and his wife Sharon mm-hmm. um, quite regularly while I did that and then from there I went to a prison farm called Darangol. And uh, I reconnected with God during that time with Larry, mm-hmm. and that was yeah, that was pretty special. Um, but then I then I went to a prison farm. As soon as I got to the prison farm, there was two guys waiting for me, and they had a, a a room prepared for me. And you know, I know God provides, but so does the devil. Every day that I was there, I was stoned in that prison farm. Um, everything was provided for me, and I you know got out of that place after a few months, and I'd spent twenty months in prison, mm-hmm. and I got paroled to a drug rehab in Box Hill. But through the Salvation Army chaplain, Larry Edwards, God was starting to tug your heart back toward him. Is that right? Yeah, him and his wife, Sharon, they're just mm-hmm. beautiful people, yeah. amazing people. They're actually still friends of mine today. So they weren't yeah. put off by your rough exterior. They could handle that. Uh, no, they, they're amazing. They accepted me. You know, mm-hmm. I when I got to the rehab, they accepted me into their home and you know, I went there for meals, and mm-hmm. yeah, no, they're extraordinary people. Just showed the love of God. Yeah. So, what impact did they have on your life? Um, yeah. Well, they took me to a um, Salvation Army church, and that was a bit of a spin out, to be honest, because they all were in blue uniforms, and you know, I just got out of prison where <laughs> everyone was wearing blue uniforms. It's like it was a bit scary for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're you're still looking pretty tough at this point, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. big, long beard, big, long hair, skinny, like, um, yeah, but I, I heard a message there, and the gentleman preached, and I just remember, I remember going down to what was called the mercy seat, mm-hmm. and I, I was broken and weeping, um, because I had a revelation of my sin, and mm-hmm. I repented of my sin in that place, and, you know, that started me on a real journey of freedom you know after those tears i found there was real freedom in those tears as i was able to let go of all the stuff i'd ever done and really asked jesus to forgive me and cleanse mm. me it was like a big weight lifted off my shoulders so a big spiritual growth moment for you uh massive yeah. massive yeah and so is that the beginning of really becoming a, a true christian and, and as far as it even yeah. affecting how you act now yeah i've never looked back from that from mm-hmm. that experience to be honest um, and God has just taken me on a journey and continued to change me and set me free and heal me and part of that journey was I had hatred towards my father and God challenged me to forgive you know he'd forgiven me and now I need to forgive others mm-hmm. so I needed to forgive my father and 
not just that, God challenged me to ring up my father and ask him to forgive me for wow. all the stuff I'd done to him because I hadn't been, you know, I'd been pretty bad. Yeah. So it wasn't just him, it was me, you know. And yeah. So I rang him up and asked him to forgive me and and he did and then he asked me to forgive him and, you know, that brought forth some real reconciliation, which was amazing. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So that must have really touched your heart in a deep way. I mean, I can't even imagine to have that relationship that caused so much friction in your life to have that be healed. Yeah, you're not wrong. I have a good relationship with my father now. Where, mm-hmm. where, you know, I, I speak to him quite regularly and I've been to visit him a couple of times in Western Australia. So it's yeah. very good. It's good to be back in a relationship. So that was a big part of your healing as well and your spiritual growth. Yeah, a massive part of my healing journey. Yeah, so I was... Um, in that drug rehab in Box Hill, the Salvation Army drug mm-hmm. rehab. Yeah. And one day I got dropped off in town in Box Hill at an appointment and I had to walk back. And as I, as I was walking back, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to start picking up papers. Mm-hmm. And I was hearing his voice and it was funny, I didn't have to pick up every paper, but just the papers he told me to pick up and some of them were pretty messy. And I'd pick up the papers and... And then I'd find a bin and I'd put them in the bin. You know, look probably look pretty silly walking down the street picking up papers. But anyhow, I just felt like God was talking to me and speaking to me through this, you know, act of um, obedience. And mm-hmm. and He was saying to me that um, in this journey, in this life journey, that people, different people, will come across our path that we that I'd, I'd get to have an influence on. And it wasn't all of them because I wasn't having to pick up every paper, mm-hmm. but just the papers that He was leading me to pick up. Mm-hmm. So, so I did. I picked up those papers, and I was nearly back at the rehab, and probably a heart, you know, you know, maybe thirty meters in front of me, I identified this terrible piece of paper that was like stuck to the the concrete path. It was like, like, like a mixture of melted ice cream and chewing gum. It was mm. disgusting. Oh, and, I, yeah. and I said to God, I am not picking up that paper. And God said to me, Pick up the paper. I said, I'm not picking up that paper. And as I walked past, my foot hit the paper, and it flicked up, and it landed in my hand. And God said to me, that piece of paper is you. Hmm. And I was, I was just smashed. I was just gutted. And I thought, oh, man, I, like I wept. And, and I realized that, um, you know, that God can transform anyone, that he can change anyone. It doesn't matter how broken mm-hmm. they are, how messed up they are, or what they look like on the outside, that God can change them from the inside out. And, you know, it was just a powerful illustration, a powerful way that God spoke to me through that act of obedience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So... Just little by little, God's tugging your heart and showing you what he wants next for you in your life. What happened next? Yeah, what happened next is um, I was in Box Hill and there was a uh, group of church people doing an outreach there mm-hmm. and they were, they were singing songs and I actually joined in and started singing songs with them. And I really connected with them. Um, some pastors called Richard and Donna Kahinga mm-hmm. and I connected with them and that became my church family. That church family became a very important place to me. I found a lot of support. I found a lot of love. I found a lot of acceptance. Uh, the people there, yeah, really, really cared for me, and they taught me the Word of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I got my mind renewed through the Word of God. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I learned how to worship God. Mm-hmm. I learned how to just be still and know His presence and be filled in His presence and soak in His presence. And, mm-hmm. you know, that really... Uh, brought a lot of transformation, a lot of deliverance, and a lot of healing in my life. Now, what about those uh, voices you had heard on your head years ago? What happened to them? Yeah, well, I don't have a problem with those anymore because, you know, the Bible 
says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and principalities. And, um, you know, I've learned to take every thought captive to the mind of Christ, and, and I've learned to um, put on the armor of God and fight what my um, spiritual authority is and my spiritual weapons are. And I've had deliverance, you know, there was those there was things that needed to be broken in my life and mm. I found through the power of Jesus that those things have been broken and I've been set free and I've been healed and I'm still on a journey to be honest with you. Yeah. I think we're all on a yeah, journey. Yeah, we all are, yes, yes. Yeah. You were technically diagnosed with schizophrenia. Yes. Was that just a misdiagnosis? No, well, I don't take any medication now. I've been free from any meds or anything like that for 25 years, so... Yeah, I think it probably was a misdiagnosis. I think that there was a lot of spiritual stuff going on, but mm. the psychiatrist just really didn't have a grid for the spirit realm. Mm. And, I mean, yeah, I can, I can understand from their perspective. Yeah. Now, that. if the story ended right there, that would be just fantastic. I mean, somebody was lost and now they're found and in a fantastic, healthy relationship with your heavenly father and with your earthly father. But that's yeah. not how the story ends. There's more. It certainly is. Um it's funny because I um, ended up visiting a Bible college. I was looking for a Bible college to go to, and I visited Table Bible College in Melbourne at the time, mm-hmm. and yep. I ended up in a class with a whole lot of students, and we were asked to pair up with somebody and share our stories, our testimonies. Mm-hmm. So I paired up with this um, young lady who was by the class captain, and her name um, was Helen. And she shared, um, I shared my testimony, which I've shared a bit, I mean, a brief testimony of how God changed my life. Mm-hmm. And she shared her testimony, how when she was six years old, she knelt down at her bed and asked Jesus to be Lord of her life and how she lived every day knowing Jesus and never walked away from him. So kind of and a uh, contrast between her story and yours. Oh, massive contrast. <laughs> yes, yes, quite a contrast. Yeah. yeah, you're not wrong. And, you know, that night I went back to where I was living and I just wept because I just felt my, like my whole life was a waste mm. that, that I'd been ripped off because I could have known Jesus from a young age and lived with him and walked with him and not known all that pain mm. and all that destruction and all that heartache, you know? And I thought her testimony was the most powerful testimony and that was the testimony that I would want if I had the choice and it's certainly the testimony that I want for my children. You know, mm. now we've been married for... Um, Helen and myself, we've been married for over 20 years, and we have two adult, one 20-year-old and one 16-year-old. Well, I am dying to hear Helen's side of the story, but we're going to have to put that off until next time. She's sitting right next to you. So, Helen, be patient. We're going to get to you, but let's finish more of your story because there's even more to your journey. Yeah, there certainly is. I ended up marrying Helen, Mm -hmm. and we moved to Bendigo. We bought a business, which was a go-kart track at the time, Oh, okay. And we, we built that up. We put a laser game in and some other attractions, and we ended up selling that because God called us to start a church in Eaglehawk, wow. which is part of Bendigo. So mm-hmm. we've been pastoring a church now for 15 years, and that's been quite an adventure. Wow. And we have many people from many different you know, backgrounds and with many different stories, and they're all on a journey of transformation, and we're... You know, we're living it out together. Yeah. Amazing. Well, as Amazing. I mentioned, we're going to hear Helen's side of the story next time. But before we go, any final comments you'd like to leave our listeners today? Yeah, I think that, you know, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, that God loves you and he can heal you. He can set you free. He accepts you 
He doesn't reject you. His arms are open wide. And I just encourage you to open your heart up to him. You know, maybe you've known him in the past and you've walked away from him. Maybe you've never known him. But he's, he's right there. You just have to cry out to him and he will reveal himself to you. You can ask him, like I did, mm-hmm. to you know forgive you for your sin. You can recognize that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose from the dead and that he can forgive you and set you free from all your shame, all your guilt. He can take that weight off your back, you know, that like I had that weight, that mm-hmm. heaviness, Amen. that weight of sin and shame. Well, that you don't have to carry that anymore. Jesus can take that for you. You can, you can give it to him. You can come to him. You know, the scripture says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Yeah, I just encourage everyone to come to him. He'll give you rest. He'll renew your strength. Amen. And he'll set you free. Amen. Pastor David Harris, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. No worries. It's a pleasure. Well, that was the conclusion of our two-part conversation with David Harris, who's the author of the book Certified, about his amazing transformation from a life of crime and mental illness to being emotionally healed and eventually becoming a pastor. Fantastic. For more information about David Harris and his book, you can go to his website, certifiedthebook.com. That's certifiedthebook.com. And as we heard Eric say, next time it's David's wife Helen's turn to share her story of how she met David. And also she'll share about some serious times of grief and loss they experienced that she's written about in her own book called Broken Waters. But before we end today, I just want to emphasize the important lesson we can learn from David's life. And that is that God never gives up on us. Even though David stumbled and fell repeatedly and got himself back into all kinds of trouble, God never gave up on him and still kept working in his life, drawing David to himself. And the result has been an amazing transformation. As the Bible says, You, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's Psalm 86, verse 15. Well, if you somehow thought that there was no way God could ever forgive you or give you a second chance, you're very much mistaken. God is in the business of restoring sinners and making all things new again. You can have a new beginning this very day. If you'd like to pray with someone about becoming a new creation, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's one 800 And we would love to pray for you on that number, 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for David Harris's inspiring story. And once again, we invite you to join us next time for his wife, Helen, sharing her story. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. When I got alone... It just hit me that, you know, we really could lose this baby. By 11am, honestly, I had 10 medical staff in my room. It was not a private event. There was doctors for me and for my child, and Joshua David was born. But he went straight into the neonatal intensive care unit. There was no cuddles. There was no breastfeeding. He was alive, but he was gone as quick as anything into another room. Helen Harris is the author of the book Broken Waters about her journey through the disappointment of loss. She says she's gained strength through a personal connection with a God whose love is greater than any pain of life. We'll find out Helen's story next time. The Story. The story.
Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.